Welcome to the Defiant Business Podcast. A business podcast produced by Defy the Status Quo. For forward-thinking businesses and savvy professionals looking to defy the status quo of mediocre customer experiences, barely surviving businesses, and haphazard business development, we'll explore best marketing and sales practices, improving business processes, attracting your ideal clients or customers, striking your perfect work-life balance, business basics, intentional inclusion in business, and so much more. Thank you for joining me today. Let's do this. And we're back. Rachel, thank you so much again for being here with me. Yeah, this has been a... I mean, I, I love talking about things I'm not used to talking about in quite the same way. So these have been really fun conversations. Yes, absolutely. And I think for today's episode, if you want to be a leader, you are a leader, you want to be a better leader, I think this is definitely the episode for you. And this is definitely the episode for leaders who are paying attention to what's been going on for people right now, Um, especially if you're stuck somewhere between the old methods of leadership and the old frameworks of leadership and then looking at, okay, where can we go next? So today we are going to talk about going from command and control to connect and care for today's leaders. So Rachel, my first question is, why is command and control not what we need? I'm sure we haven't needed it for a while, but why is it not what we need now? Why does it need to be like, you know, <clears throat> throw it and throw it back in the past and leave it over there? Why? How come? You know, it came out of a time of like this industrial era where people were, you know, very much working in factories. And it was it was this approach that was like, I am the boss and I make the rules. And it was very much focused on, you know, how can we how can we optimize kind of safety and and optimize efficiency? And it didn't necessarily care about the person. The person felt like a cog in a machine. And so if people are really simple and they're just cogs in a machine, well, then I can just tell them what to do and they'll follow the rules. I can command and I can control. But people are about as predictable as a hurricane. <laughs> so, or two. Or two. Or like a hurricane and earthquake. I mean, seriously. People are complex and we're not predictable. And so when we put people in positions of like telling them what to do, you know, being very like authoritarian, my way or the highway, people rebel. They push back. It stunts creativity. It reduces the likelihood that people are going to speak up, ask questions, be curious, push back because they're afraid of the repercussions. It's like if I if I step out of line, I'm going to get a slap on the wrist or worse. And so it teaches people to be very, very much in, like kind of in the box in terms of how they show up and how they think. And it really does reduce that, that creative, the creative capacity that people have. It, it, it stunts it. It kind of mutes it, maybe we could say. And so it, it can't, we're in the purpose economy. We're in the knowledge economy. We can't, we can't, we can't focus. We're not widgets that can be controlled. And if we want to really optimize what can come, what can come out of people, we've got to shift the way that we're approaching leading them. Oh, yes, so much. It's just it's interesting how many flashbacks I'm getting <laughs> while I'm talking to you. Because I mean, so we talked about this a little bit before we started recording. But in the army, we call command and control. We call it C two. So 
it's so embedded in the way that the military runs things that we have an acronym for it, C2. And yeah, I just, and that's, that's exactly, that's exactly how the military runs, like cogs in a machine. Like I know people missed me when I left, but I was far from irreplaceable at as a middle management type of person. Now, don't get me wrong. I wanted to be Sergeant Major of the Army one day, like first woman, Sergeant Major of the Army, and then just change everything. And, you know, some people were going to hate it. And some people are going to love it. That was my plan. But I, I know some people are envious of, of military efficiency, right? Like it's mm-hmm. not that they don't get things done, but much like how command and control was developed in an industrial setting, command and control for the military was meant for those types of settings. But I think even in the military, we kind of lead in two different ways. Like if we're deployed, we have to lead in a particular way, right? Like we're out there, there's dangers, like you're not always going to know the whys behind the rules. But sometimes when we come back, we struggle to switch to, okay, we need to switch to something more like connect and care because their lives are not immediately on the line. So informing them of the whys is no longer, like it's not something, or I guess it is something you can take the time to do versus, you know, when we're in more of a a dangerous situation. Mm -hmm. But Okay, let's talk about, so we talked about why we need to leave that behind. All right, so there that is. We're going to leave it behind now. And I wanted to talk to you about this phrase here that you told me, connecting care. So I love the sound of this, but I know that for people who are like, wait, I'm a leader. I'm supposed to be in charge. I'm supposed Mm -hmm. to, you know, exude this powerful presence. (laughs) So how can a leader lead from a position of strength while keeping in mind, you know, this being the embodiment of this connecting care, how do they maintain that strength and connecting care? I mean, it could be that it's not strength isn't necessarily what we think it is. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I would love your take on that. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it when it comes to leadership, people have a perception that I have to have all the answers. That's what being a leader is having all the answers and telling people what to do. And boy, does that limit leadership, because it's really an opportunity to influence people. Really, leadership is an offer is, is a position of, and anyone can, I believe anybody can be a leader. And when we are focused on connecting with people and demonstrating that we genuinely care about them, they will, they will show up at, at such a high level for us. And that's not the motivation behind doing it. But when people feel that you genuinely care about them, that you want to connect with them as a human being, they suddenly start to trust you more. I mean, when we look at some of the research that Gallup has done, they found that what there's four things that that followers need from their leaders, particularly in times of crisis and uncertainty, and that's uh, trust, compassion, stability, and hope. And again, nowhere in there does it nowhere in there does it say all the answers. Nowhere in there does it say intimidation factor. It, it doesn't. And so part of it is looking back. What I invite people to do is think about a leader. Think about someone in your life who has had a positive influence on who you've become and reflect on what are some words that you would use to describe that person. And people usually say things. I'd be curious to see what words, what, are there any words immediately that come up for you, put you, put you on the spot as you think about that? Um, Somebody you really admire? I guess it was funny because I said like maybe strength isn't what we think it is. But one of my first leaders, I, I identified her as strong, but she was not 
she wasn't intimidating. She just, I guess she was strong in that I felt like if I needed her to, like, not only was she physically capable of carrying me off the the battlefield, but she was emotionally and, and mentally capable of of being what I needed her mm-hmm. to be. So she was reliable. I, mm-hmm. I trusted her, which of course was incredibly important. She was my leader while we were deployed. So pretty important. But yeah. even when we got back, she was just, she was so, I just, I just knew she was in my corner. Like mm-hmm. I, I could have, I felt like I could do anything because I knew I had her support. Yes. Yeah. And that's like kind of what you're speaking to is we, when we feel like someone has our back. You know, that's one of the things that really emboldens us when we feel like someone has our back and we feel like, you know, I'm going to, I could fall flat on my face and this person will be there to support me, to ask me what I learned from it, to maybe ask me, Hey, is there anything that uh, the next time you're in a situation like this, you might've done differently? (laughs) You know, when, when a leader gets curious like that, I think, I think some of the things that we really need from leaders now more than ever, are we need curiosity instead of judgment. We need leaders. I think it's kind of, we need self-awareness because I think a lot of leaders, a lot of people in general would say, I'm highly self-aware. Mm, probably not. <laughs> there's, a, there's a perception. Oh yeah, I know myself well. I know the things that I do that kind of get in the way. And I've personally done a lot of work in this space because I do want to know and it's been terribly uncomfortable. And sometimes I've hated the things that I've discovered about myself. Yeah. I'll tell you what I know. I know I'm going to discover some more stuff. <laughs> like that's pretty self-aware. Like I'm, I'm going to be discovering stuff about myself for the rest of my life. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to be 80 and be like, oh, look at that. There's another thing I've discovered about myself. <laughs> well, it's, it's, and that's the, that curiosity piece. You know, it, it keeps us humble. Curiosity keeps us humble. And there's a perception that being humble means that you're a doormat. No, it just means that you're not letting your ego lead you in every conversation or interaction that you're having. It means that you're creating space for another person to be heard, that you're willing to ask questions instead of making an immediate judgment or assumption about them. It's that you're willing to look at at a dysfunctional situation and ask, ask yourself, what might my role be in this? Because as one of my mentors, John Berghoff said, like, if I'm, if I'm not part of the problem, like, how can I be the solution? So I think a lot of us really need to take some time to reflect, even ask the people that we, that really know us well, you know, Hey, what do you notice that I do particularly well? Like, tell me about a time I've been at my best. And for people that you really, really know and love and trust, you know, is like, is there anything I could be doing differently? Like, is there anything about how I'm showing up in this relationship? Is there anything about, you know, if you're a leader at a company asking another leader at your organization or employee you trust or a mentor or an advisor, Hey, is there anything about the way that I'm showing up that you think I could be doing differently that would help me to be even more effective and then acting on it? That's actually, there was a study done of over 50,000 managers by a group called Zenger Folkman. And they found that the number one element that contributed most to likability and trust building was being a leader who asks for and acts on feedback. Well, I think that that's probably a fantastic way to close this episode. For everybody who's listening, they should ask somebody they trust who can offer constructive feedback, positive and negative, for whatever it is. It could be personal, a relationship that you have. It could be professional. It could be business. But if you can get in the habit of asking for that feedback, even in an informal fashion, that's data 
that you can take in and use because if you're not operating off of actual, you know, actual, like how are other people seeing me versus how you think you're being seen, you're basing all of your decisions off of just what's in here by yourself. Yeah. In an echo chamber, potentially. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Okay, you're probably missing something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that that's a great, yeah. So everybody who's listening, that should be something that you make a goal to do, I would say if you can do it today, it could be quick, like just a quick Facebook messenger or LinkedIn messenger email type deal. Like, Hey, I've been trying to do X, Y, Z. I love your feedback. Like what, how do you think I'm performing? How do you think I'm doing? You don't have to wait for your quarterly review or annual review to get these answers. So just, yeah, geez, man, just so much value here. I, man, thank you so much again, Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> Of course. Can't wait for part four. <laughs> yes. Yes. Make sure you join us for part four. This is, this is how we're closing out and it's, it's going to be fantastic. We're addressing all levels of the organization in our next episode. So be sure to join us. Thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode of the Defiant Business Podcast. Please make sure that you've subscribed and do be sure to leave us a review if you found this episode at all helpful. And if you think it would be a great resource for someone else, be sure to share it with them. See you next time.